We want to say thank you to our sponsors, Watchman Cigars, 1812 BBQ, Blue Collar Cycle Shop, and Hook, Line, and Heroes. Without you, this episode would not be possible. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, where it's our take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy. And you, the listener, are getting a degree in common sense. We are broadcasting from the Blue Collar Cycle Studio right here in beautiful Concord, North Carolina. We've got a great show lined up for you, as always. But before we begin, let me introduce you to the starting lineup. To my left, you're right on the radio dial. It is producer Brian. Hey, guys. I, of course, be your host, Biggin, and how about you? And across the way is the pride of Anderson, South Carolina, but most of you probably know him best as the Silver Tongue one, 2016's Honorable Mention Red Man Spokesman of the Year, the inventor of the, <laughs> red man, of the Redneck Egg Roll. Give it up on old mic number one. It's Mojo! How about you, buddy? Hey, let's see. When uh, this podcast drops on Monday, I just want to let you know that it's Diarrhea Awareness Week. Mm. It runs through Saturday. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. It's me bringing these silly jokes every week. My favorite <laughs> part of the week. Uh, yeah, so you can find us on the website at southernfryphilosophy.com. You have our playable links there. You can go to our Facebook pages where we like to interact a lot. It's Southern Fry Philosophy. Wherever you download your podcast, go there, hit Southern Pride Philosophy, go to subscribe, please. That's what we do. We like to pick up new subscribers, give us a rating, a review, share those episodes. We appreciate all those. I want to say, that, say shout out to our friends at States Vegas Radio. Check out and download their app on Android or Apple. States Vegas Radio um, will have our shows playing for you on Mondays and Fridays, so check them out. Uh, also, if you received a new device for your holiday season, please make sure you uh, click and subscribe again to our uh, show. We would appreciate that. Also want to say shout out to our li- listeners from Nashville, Nolens, New York, and Norfolk. All brought to you by the letter N. I guess Nolens is celebrating, too, because they just had the uh, LSU just won the footballs. How about you? Yeah, Man, cool. they crushed Clemson. Clemson. Yeah, but I tell you what, uh, Joe Burrows, the QB, mm. had the big baller moment smoking a cigar on the sidelines. He did. That was pretty, <laughs> that that was pretty was rad awesome. right there. Yeah. <laughs> I did see that picture. Uh, Mojo, I'm going to ask you, like I ask you every week, how you be darn? I'm just going to be straight up with you, fellas. Come on. So, my New Year's resolution was to stop doing tobacco, mm. which I have been doing for on and off for quite a few years. And anyway, just decided to stop because I didn't want to enter this decade doing it. But I mm. tell you what, it sucks. I'm going through <laughs> bad withdrawals. I'm an ornery, old, mean guy on my street now. So <laughs> you're that guy. <sighs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's been a couple of weeks now, but uh-huh. still, though, you know. How long does it normally take to get out of the system of being a jerk? I, well, that's going to be the rest I, of your life. I, but I'm, I'm 42. I'm pretty sure I've been a jerk <laughs> chunk of that. <laughs> But for like um, the tobacco, and all I, that stuff I don't too. know. I, I, uh, I, see, I don't even think. It, well, it's addiction. Yeah, and addiction, <clears throat> you're always an addict. Well, right? but that's also the, that stuff yeah. gets into your brain. Well, yeah, you know, there's rewires. You chemi- you come, you become chemically dependent mm. in a lot of ways. Nicotine's very addictive. 
Um, I, I don't even remember why it started, but <laughs> regardless, uh, you know, I did it for a number of years. And mm-hmm. then today or I just calculated costs and stuff. I didn't smoke. I dipped. I needed the ultimate redneck pastime. Um, but I enjoyed it as a pastime. It was, mm-hmm. it was, uh, something to do, occupy my time, especially driving. Well, yeah, I drive yeah. a lot. It's mm-hmm. just something to occupy. It's not a, it's a disgusting habit. I, I, I agree. Uh, or I agree with anybody would tell me that, but it's just, it was a comfort, mm-hmm. thing, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I given it up. Yeah, man, I have, I chewed someone out yesterday and I don't do that. I'm a nice guy for the mm-hmm. most part. I, I lit somebody up yesterday and I, I had to call back and apologize. <laughs> so, Ouch. Whoa. Good gracious. Anyway, how you guys doing? Producer Brian? Well, I'm going to do all right. Um, I saw something I've never seen before. Okay. Uh, on Amazon. Okay. Two days ago. So, are you guys familiar with Amazon Live? No. No. Okay. This, I've never. I don't. I'm on Amazon a lot. <laughs> you know, aren't we all? Right. I was like tracking stuff, and I open up the the home page, and I see like some motion towards like the bottom half of the page. Okay. Like some video playing. I'm like, okay. Okay. What is this? So I scroll up. It's home shopping, but it's Amazon. Wait, what? It's like you know, like, like home like QVC. QVC. It's QVC. <laughs> But it's Amazon. It's not like it may be. It may have. Been, they may have been selling yoga clothing. Maybe that's what caught my attention. I don't know. <laughs> for but, you, or you were just looking at the models? Uh, for, yeah, it was for it totally. Sure. It was dude's yeah, yoga clothing. Gotcha. That's what, yeah. <clears throat> but so they're talking about these garments. Uh huh. Okay, so it looks it looks like you know channel sixteen or whatever on You're the right. table. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but instead of having like prices and buy now for three payments or whatever, there's right. just a link scrolling through the bottom like the item you would click on that item and just buy it if you, if you liked it mm. like through amazon it's all amazon wow I tell you what man they I, what, wow what did they not do you blew know? my mind i kind of wanted to sit there and watch it and just, you know, eat yeah. like pretzels or something just think about it all the things that amazon does now I mean, they don't they don't want diapers.com so they got the diaper market whole corner. foods Whole Foods, so they mm-hmm. got the overpriced asparagus infused water. They have their water. own delivery, like their own shipping, like yeah. postal service practically, yeah. right? I, I mean, why not? I mean, it's crazy. what do they not do? It's unbelievable. They'll, they'll have, um, well, I, 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 they're also getting in the prescription drug market, well, I mean, the, right? you know, actually, they already do that. They already have a service now where you can actually send their prescription, and they'll actually pre-pack it in pill, daily pill packs. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they have that. They do music. Streaming service, mm-hmm. they have movie, yeah, TV, the video. they actually yeah. do produce their own movies. Yeah, yeah, they just they do they're going to take money. over the world. So I saw they, they had a, a dash button one time for those like dinosaur costumes, like the big inflatable <laughs> ones. They're, they had like get this as a dash button. So if you run out of that dinosaur <laughs> costume, you can hit the button my and get T-Rex, another one. Yeah, my yeah, T-Rex, yeah, the, you know, the big T-Rex with a short yeah. leg. Yeah, yeah. You know. yeah. How many of those do you go through? You I, think that requires a dash button? I don't. That's what I was thinking. I was like, you know, for those days when you just got to have another dinosaur costume. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Luckily, they don't have dash buttons for, for the uh, Wish app because you get some crazy looking Wish stuff. <laughs> <laughs> if you're, I don't know if you guys are paying attention. I'm familiar with it. Yeah. If you go to the face, if you're ever scrolling through Facebook and you'll have Wish dot com mm-hmm. or, or Wish app or whatever. It'll, throw up an advertisement on facebook yeah and it will be like yesterday was men's panties what yeah no i think i have the picture saved like why like trans no no i i I, I think it's being sexy at all levels you know why are you 
Why are you having? Why do you have a picture like, of this? Because like, I had to show everybody, oh, and I actually deleted it. So we, we used to call those saying. banana hammocks, right? I mean, what's the? Oh, this one actually had the the, the lace lace oh, side legs. No. Lace, so, what? Yeah. But it had a cup in it, so I don't. That uh, it's probably soft. Maybe. Uh, you know, now I'm going to have to find this. Just, <laughs> just it's in, my, it's in my deleted file. Link in the show notes. Recently. Can I? Can I confess something to you? So yesterday Is it I was about. No, it's not about okay. panties. Um, I was so tired yesterday. Oh, no. He's actually pulled oh, well, up. Oh, I didn't picture. need to see that. I did not need to Go! see that. <laughs> Good Lord. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but that, you know what? I, I would I would walk around the house going singing, I feel pretty. Oh, Lord. <laughs> You like that, don't you? <laughs> I love the fact we used to break his stuff like Head down on the laptop. Yes. <laughs> Here, think about it. I can, you can, you got to stop. You got to end all this out. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. <laughs> naked grandma, naked grandma, naked grandma. That doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> naked grandma wearing his panties. <laughs> oh, man. Man. Oh, all right. Let's so we're back. Um, yeah. <clears throat> um, so I was, I, I was so tired uh, two nights ago. Uh, I didn't get any sleep. I wake up and I'm scrolling through the Facebook, looking for wish ads. <laughs> looking for wish ads, but I see this ad of an of an 85 year old uh, rich Japanese uh, mogul that is like bear lifting oh. an actual bear. Like I mean, <laughs> what? Like, not really. But he is like 85 years old and he is pumping iron like no other. Is that the guy with the like gray beard, long hair. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in. Tr- I'm enthralled at this yep. guy. 85 years old. He's swimming like he's like Michael Phelps, like through the. So I'm like, I can't stop looking at this thing. What are they advertising? Because this is an. It just shows the 85 year old man just going nuts, uh, picking up stuff. You know, just being awesome, running and whatnot. I was like, what is he doing? And it advertised. Have you stuck through? I, I did not. It was for a pillow. Oh my god! This ninja-like apparatus that the ninjas used before they went into battle used this specific pillow like to give them energy or to soybean pillow to to go into war. No, it was. I don't even know how to explain it. It just Chuck Norris uh, my pillow edition, basically. <laughs> Y'all. Uh. Guys, I got suckered into buying two of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have the stamina of this 85 year old man. Uh, it so you bought. So you, you already had the my pillow. Yeah. So you that bought. Didn't work. You bought, bought the samurai pillows too. Yeah. So now, now I'm you're a pillow I'm a, guy. Okay. I'm a ninja going into battle now. Oh God. Yeah, I, are you? Are you? A, are you a pillow guy? Uh, I mean, I use one. I mean, I, I have one too, but like my, have, mine rotates through the bed. So how? I, I, I mean, I have my pillows. I say I don't have my they're, pillow. They're, I have I have two pillows. They're mine, and they're different. They're different because they. I I, I don't even own my own pillow because, like, one night my wife has two of my pillows. The other night my kid has them. So uh, yeah, yeah. Like we have. It's, it's my pillow. I, I, she has her pillow. They're different. They're not. The same I've tried pillows. claiming mm-hmm. them, but then I was told to shut up. So I just kind of backed off. Yeah. 
What are what are your pillows like? Are like are they different? You They're got different two pillows. Because, so I I'm a, uh, I like to my like a firm pillow under my head. Mm-hmm. And I have like a kind of a squishy one I like hold on to. Okay. It's a so snuggle, you're a back sleeper. I have a snuggle pillow. I'm a side sleeper. I'm a, I'm a side but like sleeper. my arms like I have to have something to like basically prop up my yeah. my huh. arm. Interesting. Otherwise, it's just like goes to sleep and it's all crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, if. Uh, if you need some samurai pillows, I can sell you some cheap. <laughs> I got done with that order. I was like, what the hell did I just do? <laughs> uh, yeah, don't go to Amazon.com and watch the shopping channel. Right. I no, I won't yet. do that. Uh, the other thing that I've realized that uh, one of the parents of Small Batch evidently is a velociraptor. Because she's now hearing her voice, and now it's just she sounds like a velociraptor from Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> like, where is this coming that, from? That clicking sound or whatever. Yeah, know? there's clicking noises. Ooh. There's like high pitched squeals. Is this normal? Yeah, for, for children. I think, I think your child's broken. <laughs> I'm gonna take her back. Take it back. Yeah. I mean, they they once they like realize they can make. They try to. Right. System exploring what they can and can't do. And, okay. So that's that's no. I think okay you're. Thing. I think you're okay. There's no words here yet. Okay. All right. Well, there's that. Um, Producer Brian, you, myself, and Mojo. You, Mojo, you've already talked about your New Year's resolution. Producer Brian, do you want to talk about what's going on with you? Sure. Well, it's a lifestyle change. Yeah. It's going to last. It's already lifestyle. lasted more than most resolutions. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so I've taken up the the keto diet. Mm-hmm. The Basically, because I know I see the doctor in six months. Oh, and I don't. I don't currently don't, currently don't take any medication. Mm-hmm. But I think in six months, if I don't make some serious changes, <laughs> they're going to make me take something. Because every time I go in, they go, "Oh, are you still taking your cholesterol medicine?" No, I, I don't have <laughs> cholesterol medicine. <laughs> oh, okay, but you have cholesterol. So I'm wondering, like, okay, they keep asking me <laughs> why is this not happening. Should I be taking some medicine or something? Right. So I'm on the borderline of all these bad things. You know? Right. Uh, genetics or something so i'm sure. with, you know i've heard a lot of great results mm-hmm. with the keto diet so i'm uh i've been on it for two and a half years yeah so, yeah. yeah i'm 15 days in there was yeah. only one day where i had to have sushi and moon pies but uh <laughs> sushi and moon pies that's an interesting combo. <laughs> that's about to say i was i mean yeah i was making i was making I'm not sushi judging. at home yeah not judging. i had there was a moon pie in the house okay and it was in a visible place. And when there's a moon pie in the house, you're not going to not eat a moon pie. Like, you know, right. there was like some candy right for Christmas. I was like, I don't really care about it. I said, that moon pie is mine at some point. I don't care. Right. I can't have sugar or any carbs. That moon pie is mine. No and one immediately it. is followed by, it was, by God, I got to have sushi. Well, I had sushi <laughs> maybe first. But uh, okay. I'd already blown the carbs. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you're Moment, committed. Yeah. yeah. I was already, I had like two rolls, you know, a lot of rice. So. Yeah. How about you? Um, yeah. So it's, a, it's been an interesting adjustment for me yeah. i think it's a good right fit because i can still eat barbecue and uh, yeah that's that's a good one for you yeah yeah and you can't have hardly any vegetables which is kind of crazy huh you can green, green stuff yeah, i can green, green vegetables yeah. but like i was at a birthday party like the first saturday oh no and, you know there's there's nothing that i could eat at that place like it was yeah. sure. goldfish like goldfish cupcakes All pretzel starches. starch 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 uh-huh. oh veggie tray yeah great oh carrots no. Broccoli, like the little bean things that nobody likes. Like, okay, I'll eat carrots. I mean carrots. And I was like, let me Google this. Oh, can't have carrots. Oh, carrots no. have too much sugar in them. Yeah. So that was. Yeah. Broccoli should have been okay. That was though, the right? sushi moon pie day too. So. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, I'm out. Um, I have also started a weight loss program as well. Uh, I think the key for me to um, to sticking to a diet is pay a crap ton of money for it. Uh, mm. Then I realized That's commitment, right there. Yeah, I've committed to this thing. Uh, I'm going to get my money's worth. By gosh, and we're going to do this. So um, I've, it's I've a started- bold strategy, Cotton. It <laughs> 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 could work out. Um, no, I you know having the, the two kids now. I'm like, God bless, I need some energy. I need to be able to do something. It changes something. your perspective, too. It like, does. I, I, I want to be able to play with my kids right. without hurting. Sure. <laughs> I also want to be around. Oh, yeah. I'd like to, to see some sure graduations. Can, yeah, to make sure I can provide alibis uh, for right. other people. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. Both of those things went through my head. Obviously, I'm known uh, as big and on the show for a reason. But, um, yeah, I decided, okay, we're going to do this thing. We're going to spend some money. We're going to do this the right way um, and, and move forward. For me, uh, I, it's the aligned weight loss thing. You see the commercials um, on TV, but um, it's a checkbox system, man. If, if I just have to check a box thing, man, and, and just go through my little, little list of things I can and can't do, Dude, that's perfect for me. Hmm. Like I just love like little check boxes. So you like organized and account. You like accountability. Yeah. Structure. Yep. Gotcha. And so it it's very limited uh, protein, uh, vegetables, and then a cup of fruit, or a, a single serving of fruit, and that's that's about it. But um, yeah, it it, it has been handled. I'm 11 days in, and I think uh, what we're gonna do is I've created a a um. A Twitter handle at Healthy SFP Radio, and I'm going to kind of track my progress. Uh, you guys are more than welcome to, to track I'm, I'm your progress. Fail. I'm probably going to break mine tonight. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's so mad at me; it's ridiculous. No, I'm mad, I'm mad at my situation at work right now. Oh no, no, no. Um, but uh, listen, this is to be inspirational. This is to help other people that may be either struggling with some type of addiction of like sugar tobacco, what what have you, but it's to inspire and to help and encourage. It's not to, like, be mean or, you know, whatever you want to do. Sell products. Sell product or yeah. whatnot. Um, we're just going to track our progress, our struggles, our victories, and things like that. Um, so I've got a long way to go. So this is going to be a long journey, but um, I'm 25 pounds down, Woo. 11 awesome, days. Man. So um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, so we're... We're trying to get healthy. We're trying to do better on the show, so we are excited about that. So follow at Healthy SFP Radio on Twitter, and we'll we'll come back every once in a while to kind of talk where we're at with uh, what producer Brian has labeled Southern Baked Philosophy, which I think is great. <laughs> <laughs> Southern Air Fried. Yeah, Air Fried, Baked. And, and I do think it's broiled. important. When I, when I sat down with the nutrition coach, I said, listen, I, I need you to understand uh, – Two things. One, that um, that I have a, a bourbon night once a month, and you're going to have to be okay with that. Are we okay with that? She said, check. I said, okay. Step number two. On the show, we talk about biscuits and gravy a lot, and we will try different foods. Can I have a bite or two of biscuits and gravy and or the food that we're, we're looking at? And she said, we can get around that. I said, you're my huckleberry. Let's go for it. So wow. we're okay. We can do this thing. Yeah, it's so. a great thing about Keto is bourbons just fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's, it's the Mick Ultra that's killing me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not the Mick Ultra. It's the quantity of Mick Ultras. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's what, three and a half carbs or something? 2.6. 2.6. Oh, yeah. okay. So uh, for, for kid, like, what's the limit that you can have of carbs? I, ideal range is 20. Yeah. Um, okay. So but, you could drink a bunch of just Michelob, uh, then that's all you well, can have all day. But the, the carbs sneak in in these crazy places. I'm trying to keep like an it, egg. An egg has a carb. Has a carb. Yeah. yeah. And an oh, avocado. Wow. You know, I eat a, a small cup of almonds, and there's carbs in there. Yeah. Just a little bit, like two grams. Mm-hmm. But it, it sneaks up on you real fast. And I'm trying to stay like in the 30. Like, like yeah, I, 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 20 I mean, is almost impossible for me. Mm. And I'm, well, I, yeah. you know, you can do 20. It, but it's a lot of egg and cheese omelets. Yeah, and yeah. I'm already shuffled out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I understand. I, I I'm in the thirty range. That's kind of my happy median zone. I can maintain because mm. I've, I've dropped sixty pounds since two years ago. So uh, I just right now I just kind of maintain just because yeah. I, I don't want to. My most attractive quality is my love handles, or, or <laughs> AKA the lust handles. Oh, so wow. I, yeah, I don't oh, wow. I don't want my wife to be like, oh, where does my man go? So I, mm. I got to keep those. Order That's, one of those garments. <laughs> men's underwear yeah. panties uh well just to let you guys know we've got a great interview coming up with tintu and donna um para oh man para Miswar, uh from operation decisive victory so they're going to go straight into uh we're going to go straight into that that interview so here we go the 1812 barbecue story started over 20 years ago when eric and his dad started entering local barbecue competitions for fun During that time, Eric, a United States Marine, has traveled all over the world picking up flavors and techniques that today is the unique flavor of the award-winning 1812 barbecue. He has honed his craft to bring you fall-off-the-bone pulled pork, mouth-watering ribs, and finely crafted beef brisket. Eric has developed his own amazing dry rub and delicious barbecue sauce. And let's not forget the sides, coleslaw, smoked Gouda mac and cheese, cowboy baked beans, and to top it all off, banana pudding and pecan pie for dessert. Getting hungry yet? Good. Call or email Eric at 1812-BARBECUE, and he can make your next catered meal happen. Wedding and graduation parties, family reunions, and other events will be memorable with 1812-BARBECUE. Want to try your own hand at smoking meats? Pick up your own 1812 dry rub and start the journey for yourself. Shipping all over the world, connect with Eric on his Facebook page Instagram at 1812barbecue or call 704-604-5148 or email eric at eric.line at 1812barbecue.com and he'll be glad to help any way he can. All right, we are back and you are listening to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. And as promised, we have Tintu and Donna Parameswa from, is that right? right. Nailed it. (laughs) From Operation Decisive Victory. These guys have got a uh, organization that, and and we we've commented on the show how much we love our vets. These guys go above and beyond trying to help uh, their vets with so many things. But mainly, from what I understand, is just daily community, uh, connecting with people, and just helping them in their daily lives for for small things or even to connect them with for, for big things, right? So can you guys uh, tell us, one, how did it start, and tell us more about the organization? Okay. So uh, it started, um, my name is Donna. Um, Our organization started um, in August of 2018, 
Wow. We, we were going through a personal journey. We moved out to um, Charlotte in 2016 from California um, in search of healing. Mm. Um, you know, with everything that's going on in, in my husband's life with PTSD, TBI, just just being newly retired um, and just dealing with all of that, we just needed to take our family out of the city life and kind of find some space where we can mm. just heal and grow. Um, and in 2016, we moved to Charlotte. And then in 2017, we found um, a really nice community out in Mount Pleasant. That's mm. on, And so it's a gated community. We're on every home is on about 10 acres of land. Oh, wow. So we get our neighbors, but we also get our space and our own land. So we were excited that we're finally finding space for healing. But ever mm. since we moved to that home, our world has been turned upside down. Um, our strive and struggle to reintegrate back into society was um, definitely jeopardized by um, discriminatory actions. Mm. And our, our drama still is ongoing where it's, you know, it has, there has not been an end to it. We're still looking for our decisive victory in our own personal lives. Mm. But in the process, um, we uncovered that there's so many programs out there. There's so many organizations out there. Um, but not one of them was able to help us um, because there's their criteria that mattered to them. Um, they were really rigid and folks like us that ha I have a job, you know, he is, mm -hmm. um, you know, he is um, disabled. He's getting his uh, paychecks. We both are very much involved with the VA. Um, I'm part of the caregiver support program. So the mm -hmm. VA actually assigned, you know, I'm a, a VA assigned caregiver to him. Um, he goes to all his treatments. He gets, you know, takes all his medications. You know, we're doing right by the system um, because we want to get back into society and, mm -hmm. and be normal individuals. And people like us are, um, the, the system does not account for us. Mm -hmm. explain, explain that. Dive into people like us. So it's it's a very gray area. America we've we've kind of conditioned Americans to look at disability as you're missing a limb or you're incapable or incapacitated in one way, shape, or form. It's very visible. Exactly. It's a very visible, very, you know, identifiable. You see me hopping out of my vehicle, it, I look absolutely fine. Uh, I, I can relate. I mean, so. Right. But, and, yeah, just obviously share your personal experience. Yeah. And, and and in that same context, um, majority of these post-9-11 veterans that come back, their their injuries are invisible. Um, part of mine, as you, you guys can't see, but I have permanent nerve damage in my left shoulder. So my left shoulder doesn't go above about 45, 90, 90 degrees at the most with pain. Um, and that's because I have a severed nerve that comes out of our, our spine called a brachial. People don't see that. They see my arm standing normal. Everything is fine. They wonder why I'm hopping out of a vehicle with, with handicap man, you know, placards on it. Mm. America needs visibility. They need to see and identify an injury and relate that to whatever happened to you to have that sympathy or empathy towards what's happening. So the system is by default going to classify us, people like us, who are the ones that have PTSD, TBI, the invisible injuries of combat and, and deployments. T um, what is TBI? Traumatic brain injury. Okay. Uh, so a lot of times guys that end up in major falls, explosions, uh, getting shot at, they, they end up with traumatic brain injury. Um, those, those groups 
of individuals and, and our warriors. They get classified, you know, disabled, but now I have nothing to prove to show the rest of society, mm. hey, I do have this injury. I do have this, this disability or disadvantage over my counterpart. Um, so that's that's what she means by, you know, people like us, the ones that have borne the, the wounds of battle, um, continue to go to therapy and counseling and stuff because we know, we, we understand eventually, like as I mentioned earlier, uh, a lot of things that happen to us over there, we, we have to learn to live with and cope with and move forward. Sure. Um, and some of it will never go away. It's experience. It's, it's part of your life at that point. Um, but you're still classified a disabled person or an injured person, wounded warrior, as people like to call them. How do I prove it? So now I become part of that little group of people that just can't prove it, but I have to carry that title with me everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. Oh, well said. Um, what branch did you serve in? And when did you serve? When were you deployed? I served in the Marine Corps. Um, so I started off in the Marine Corps in 2004. Uh, they retired me in 2014. Um, I was fortunate enough to serve on both the uniform and the ununiform side of the house. So I got to see, um, I worked within the intelligence community, so I was able to see uh, what our warfighters do in uniform and participate in that, you know, to keep our freedom and country free. Sure. But at the same time, from the intelligence community side of the house, I was able to see, you know, the the engine, the works, the the thought process, the bean countings, the calculations that go into make sure America is free. Mm. Well, thank wow. you for your service. Yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah, that's, that's something we don't take lightly. We appreciate that. Um, yeah. And it, it is a sacrifice. I mean, and obviously you're still have, have you still have the cloak of uh, of what you've done and you're still battling that. Um, I remember I had a, got a handicap sign, you know, when mm. I was waiting for a heart. <clears throat> and I remember pulling up trying to go to the Duke game because we were going to catch an Uber ride from this parking lot to the stadium. I had an old lady, probably in her seventies, cuss me out. Oh no! Because of my disability blacker. <laughs> oh, no. So, Meemaw, yeah. come on. Yeah, yeah. I think our pastor was with us too. Oh, that's nice. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so naturally, um, coming from the military, we we have a very tight knit community, um, and we we joke about this all the time. You know, I could screw up in the biggest way possible while I'm in service, and I could get locked up. I will get bailed out that day. My commander will come out, you know, even if he's got to drive hours, he will come out and get me out. And, of course, he's going to get out, you know, my sergeant or staff or whoever, whoever was senior to me because they're going to be in there with me. Right. Um, and they're going to come and they're going to get us out. We, we might pay the price mm. for, for whatever action it is, but there is always that answer. Someone will always be there. Mm. Whether you're going to get your butt beat or not, somebody will come for you. You are family. Mm. We will always take care of you. You come from a tight-knit community like that. You come back to civilian world, and it's every man for himself. Um, you'll find the pockets of brotherhood and, and camaraderie, but that's what most vets lose the most. So when we went across our issues, when we were initially facing it, it was like, whoa, I've never been in something like this before. You know, we, what do we do? Naturally, what we do is we congregate towards our group of people, which are all these, our family, all these veteran organizations out there, and we start knocking on doors. Hey, guys, I... Uh, this is who I am. I'm a paid member in your organization. You know, I, can you guys guide us? What do we do? And it was one reason or the other. They close the door. Mm. Um, and that's that struggle that led us to say, you know what? What's happening to us is likely happening to other veterans out there. Could be the reason why there's still a lot of problems that exist within my community, uh, the veteran community. We can sit here and complain about it. 
or as we go through, take those lessons learned and apply it and do something to prevent another family from going through it, or at least not going through it alone. Wow. Um, uh, do, which, which VA do you attend? I'm just out of curiosity. So I, the, the main VA for us is out of Salisbury, but I attend the one out of Charlotte. Okay. Cause I, cause my business is right down the road from the VA in Salisbury. So, um, I get to see a lot of positive from the VA, but I get to see a boatload of negative from the VA. And, um, you know, when we hear, it's always political fodder, you know, during election season, mm-hmm. you know, how, you know, someone's going to come up with a magic pill to fix the VA and, and, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, I, I just looking through your pamphlets and stuff, just looking through some of the issues that I have with the VA, even though I'm not a veteran, my, my father, grandfather both served, but, uh, just where the ball gets dropped, you know, where it's literally a band aid for a lot of things. And, you know, I had two vets pull up yesterday to my, to my shop and ask me for gas money. Just they had enough to get to the VA to be seen for a checkup or whatever it mm. was, and didn't have enough money to get back home. You know, and wow. the VA—that's—I <clears throat> mean—that's one reason Salisbury has a huge homelessness problem. It's just because a lot of these guys get shipped in from—I think I've said this before in another podcast—but a lot of these guys get shipped in from other hospitals because they don't have insurance, but they find out they're a veteran. So hey, let's send them to Salisbury mm. to the VA. And, but there's no stopgap, you know, there's just literally, all right, let's, you know, he's got cuts and scrapes in a, in a, in a tear. Let's sew him up, put a bandaid on. Oh, you don't have a place to live. I'm oh, sorry, but Hey, we, we, we did our duty. Mm. You know, and that's where you see a lot of these guys. And of course, a lot of these guys have other issues just besides the, you know, open wound on their leg. So, so in our own journey, that's what we understood. And that was an eye opening. Because I mean, we are, we live by the VA, where we do everything right by the VA. Whatever the doctors tell us, we do. So we would like to consider ourselves model citizens of the VA, <laughs> um, because it's working. It has worked for us, right? Um, but what we saw was that all these different programs out there, all these organizations, both federal, state, private, it's a, it's a pro, it's a reactive measure. So mm. because there's a need, they come up with a program. Um, because a few uh, veterans, you know, shot themselves. Now they're at at the VA site. Now they're talking about suicide prevention. It's always a because of, um, mm. and that's where we come in. We we are trying to ha- implement a proactive measure. So if a veteran comes to us for gas money or to pay an eviction um, bill or electric bill or whatever it is, our mental health support, whatever it is, we try to understand the entire picture. Mm. Uh, do you have family members? Are they taken care of? Do you have a home? Do you have a job? So that's where our organization is trying to come in and just build a gap, bridge that gap in, in programs or in services that, that are given to them. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, I think, I think uh, we, as our culture, we are very reactive, you know, and, and, our culture as men, we're not supposed to talk about problems mm-hmm. yeah. from PTSD, from being overseas to PTSD, could having childhood trauma. You're not supposed to talk about that. You know, you're supposed to just be, and we're very reactive. I mean, like if you look at half the illnesses that we have in our society can all be prevented by certain other measures versus let's just react, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, we have cancer now because I smoke 20 packs a day. Well, somebody probably could have done something to help help that out. But we, right. let's react to the tumor 20 years down the road. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Camp Hope out of Houston, Texas. 
I, I really admire that organization and what they do. I would love to see something like that in North Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia area. It's just nothing but, I mean, it's a camp, you know, houses for basically vets who have no place to go there mm. are experiencing traumatic, just, you know, disassociation with life, family, homelessness, whatever it may be. They come there, they get repaired, they get healed. And, and you know, they, that Camp Hope out of Houston is doing such a great stopgap of, the, you know, this, that's suicide prevention. Let's, right. let's react to it. Not to, let's not wait till the, till the guy is in the parking lot of the VA to be like, Oh, me Koopa, let's, you know, let's see if we can start out with a sucker and some breath mints. Let's see if we can get you to come back in. I mean, that's, that's a reactive policy. A lot of, mm. a lot of how we do things, not just in the healthcare, but in our culture. Yeah. So if you're in the market for a high quality cigar for a very reasonable price, you must check out our friends at Watchman Cigars. Watchman Cigars is a family-owned business that puts the customer first with the best customer service in the business. Watchman Cigars offers the Habano for a full spicy flavor, the Connecticut for a mild, easy-to-smoke option, and the Maduro for a strong, powerful experience. They even do specialty blends and partner with you to provide a custom, exclusive line just for you. Watchman Cigars has all your cigar needs— Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Watchman Cigars 1991 or check out his new website at WatchmanCigars.com or the sponsor section of our website. As Donna had mentioned, you know, we, we ended up in that personal struggle. This is where it started because we didn't know where to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it ended up where I, I did something that I should not have done uh, according to the law. Um, I ended up in court. Again, coming from the intelligence community, you can't have, you know, a bad looking hair on your body because you'll lose your security clearance. Uh, so, you know, I had a clean record and everything. That's when we panicked. We're like, okay, now I need to start knocking on doors. Hey, guys, we've never been in this problem before. What, what do I do? I went to this league and that league and that association and, you know, this veteran support group. And everybody's like, sorry, man, we don't hmm. We don't help do you. that. We don't do legal. Can't help you. And then we were calling organizations around the nation to see who can help. Everybody says, oh, we're here to help veterans. Like, all right, I called a person. Oh, absolutely, we can help you, but you need to be here in Florida. What what purpose does that do? I'm, I told you I'm calling from Carolinas. But that's what we came across. We came across hundreds and thousands of organizations that are out there to help veterans, and that's their promise. We're here to help mm-hmm. our veterans. But the moment you drop an uneven ticket on their table, they panic, and they're like, oh, well, we don't handle that. Here's our rules. You know, we, we can't work with this. And that's where we, we said, you know, and as you mentioned earlier, the, the system is broken. We try to advocate for the system. The system isn't broken. The system is what it is. We can't fix it. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it was designed. They have so much red tape on the government side of the house. That's where private organizations can come in and bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. A veteran can't wait 90 days to get into mental health, but that doesn't stop me from getting him a counselor. As we asked a little while ago, you know, what do they do? Because we have counselors in our network. Mm-hmm. When a veteran needs to get into mental health care and he, he has a waiting time at the VA, we can pull that vet immediately and say, listen, Let's go to private care. Let's, let's get you that care until the day you can walk into the VA's wow. psychiatric center and get your care you need. We're not replacing anything. We're not saying they're bad. We understand the limitations. Going through it and seeing it, we've understood the limitations. So why do you think there is those groups that are turning people away that they're supposed to love and care for and support? Why is that? There's, there's a couple of reasons, and we've, we've come across it. The biggest one is, is fear of manipulation. 
there are a lot of people out there that will manipulate the system mm. for their benefit. So we, we've, we come across our fair share as well in, in the work that we do. The other part is the veteran community is so big that somebody in, you know, a little, little town in North Carolina saying, hey, I'm going to help everybody in the, in the nation. And we went through this. It immediately becomes so burdensome. Mm-hmm. It's not that we can't help people. People don't want to donate to be able to support the programs. We've had it to the point where getting a dollar donation out of people were difficult. It's difficult. Hmm. Uh, and we're a 501c3. You know, so, again, we're, we're verified, certified, and, and, you know, have the proper tax documentations. But charity only goes so far. Um, and the disadvantage of, again, hundreds of thousands of these small organizations exist. The disadvantage we have or we're on the same playing field as the big boys, the major streamlined commercial veteran organizations, the ones that sell T-shirts and, and they have their own branded airplanes. And mm. we're fighting for the same bucket of money from those guys. Yeah. The, the, the difference, though, is if I could advocate for small groups like you guys, is the difference is, is that it's not going to caviar and steak it's dinners. Not. Exactly. <laughs> and, right. you know, nice hotels in Vegas. And I mean, planes. I think it's – Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, well – I think that's where some of these bigger organizations have been accused of fraud in the past few years. And of course, when that happens, other people that are genuinely trying to donate will look at all organizations, not yeah. just veteran organizations, but look at all organizations. I just wish, you know, as people, I, I think the good thing about America is that we are a very philanthropic country. People yeah. love right. to help. Well, some people do. <laughs> if you're, if you're a prince, if you've been a politician, over 20 years, <laughs> you probably donate 1% of your income or sure. half a percent. I but, got you. But, you know, we love to give. People love to give. And uh, I just wish people would probably maybe diversify their cash a little more than mm. just hit, hitting up the, the big ones. You know, Susan G. Plan – or not Susan – or not that one. Coleman? Susan G. Uh, Susan G. Coleman, <laughs> um, March of Dimes, Goodwill. There's small organizations that do what you're trying to accomplish, but – you might have to actually go out and look for them a little bit. So. Yeah, right, right. Mm. And that's that's one of the biggest issues that these small organizations have is the funding aspect of things. Small organizations have a stronger impact. I was about to say, yeah. When it comes to direct service of veterans because we don't have the overhead costs. Mm. We don't have the manpower, the national, you know, levels of, of financial maintenance. We're, we're local. We can get a vet to a place if we need to. But that's what happens, the funding aspect. Mm. Um, and the other part is a lot of these organizations will start with good intentions and then they realize it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. Um, I, I, I tell all my veteran buddies, I'm like, man, I would have never in the life of me thought I'd end up in the service of working with veterans because everybody waits. You know, we call it the DD-214, our, our discharge papers. We wait for that day so we can dance on the way out those <laughs> gates, you know, like never again. I'm I not going never, back. Never. I don't want to see another service member. Don't even want to be in a parade. Thank you for your service. No, thank you. Don't ever say that again. (laughs) And that's the mindset most of us walk out with. We're like, we're done. We've Mm. done our service to the nation. Just leave me alone. I just want to live the rest of my life in peace. And this is something I never thought I'd step into doing. But stepping into it was an eye opener. Mm. Um, You know, we, we start to understand the amount of veterans that are that are lost in the system, the ones that fall through the cracks, yeah. uh, the ones that won't meet a certain criteria or the other. Um, just, just like Donna had mentioned earlier, you know, 
we didn't meet a certain criteria for the VA to step in and help me with my problem because I went to my therapy sessions, I took my medications, and my doctors felt I was improving. So they had no need to need, you know, step in and intervene with what I was going through. The other option was they needed me to be incarcerated before they could come in and help me. Like, wait, isn't the, isn't the purpose of these programs yeah. to prevent that incarceration to begin with? Um, but that's when we start realizing most of these programs exist as a reactive measure. And there wouldn't be a need for those programs if they eliminated the problem. So the problem must continue for the programs to exist. And it comes down to money. Wow. It comes down to yeah. money in every avenue. and That's the sad part of it. Mm. Well, I think that's pretty much a recipe in a lot of things we do yeah, in this sure. war- culture, you know, as far as you create a problem, then you create the answer and then you just kind of, you know, rinse and wash and repeat. So, um, it, it I, I just, it's just sad to say, keep going back. I mean, not just in the veterans community, but all the organizations, um, you, you know, we've, we've dealt with addicts before you have to almost be, you know, in the gutter, lost all your teeth, matted hair and on your on a way on your way to meet jesus before someone will step in and help mm, and yeah. just it makes no sense yeah what are some other situations that you've come across that i mean paying the electric bill the, you know light bill and whatnot we we had a marine out in um fayetteville in that area Seventy. not arkansas no, right. North okay. Carolina. Okay, I didn't know. No, there's, yeah. I realized there was there's a there's a big base. Okay, <laughs> North there's a small presence. He's yeah. he's in his seventies, I believe. Seventies. Oh, um, he had um, his his leg his left leg amputated because of cancer. Mm. Um, he was looking for he had a wheelchair. He was looking for a power scooter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the VA wouldn't pay for it, and I I don't know what the reason the, was. The VA. Couldn't pay for it because it was not a service-connected injury that sure. that he lost his leg for. That's one of their criteria. Mm. Um, the gentleman lost his leg due to a very rare cancer that now is being linked to water contamination on some of our military bases. Oh wow! However, that was this lines hadn't been drawn you know yet. long long time <laughs> yeah. ago, so it was never documented. I mean, you didn't know you were going to get this cancer in 2019, mm-hmm. um, so it's not in his record. So now. It, the burden of proof is on these individuals to try and prove to the VA that what their ailments are today is caused by whatever happened back then. Um, so unfortunately, the VA, because he didn't meet those criteria for them, uh, could not provide him a power scooter. Mm. So, Man, where, where's the? And this, this is kind of I'm saying this in jest. But sure. I, how many times do you hear a Tom Sire uh, for president commercial, and how many times do you hear a? Uh, if you know anyone or love one who has mesothelioma, why can't there be <laughs> an attorney out there who, who's running an ad every 10 seconds on a radio for this? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you were I, on I this base from yeah, this I know time vet, to this time. Yeah, I know yeah. a vet who served in Nam, and he had both his legs amputated like this from, you know, and it was linked directly to Agent Orange. Agent Orange. I mean, this, this cat was pretty cool, too, like this. You know, he lost both legs, but he also went and served. Uh, he was Jewish, so he went and served on the kibbutz, you know, the— uh, Israeli um, kind of community centers and hmm. served as a medic there during during that time fiasco too. But it was also a drive for him to get freaking help too. Hmm. It's crazy. I just I, I don't I don't understand why we can't just cut that red tape and be like, you need this, let's get you that. I, it just blows my mind. I don't. But it does too, it. especially 
we are comprised of a hundred percent since Vietnam, we're comprised, you know, of a hundred percent volunteer right. military. Right. You know, we don't, we don't make, we don't force people like other countries do to serve. Not saying that would be a bad idea in some cases, but we don't force people to serve. And so you, you became property of the U S government when you signed on You're, you know, obviously when you get discharged, but you were, you were property of the U S government for a period of time for 10 years. You think the government would look after its property after it's gone, you know, after, yeah. even after it's been retired. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it, that's disappointing right there is that yeah. we, we, we expect the very best of our, of our young blood men and women to volunteer when they could be doing something else for that period of life. And then we just kind of let, you know, eh, yeah. just kind of let it go. That's, that's very disappointing. Yeah. One of the, the main takeaways I got from your story is I should not tell a vet, thank you for your service. Is that, is that a bad thing? I shouldn't, Some of them like I shouldn't it. say that. Some of them do enjoy it. Okay. Um, most of us, like you said, you know, we're, we knew what we were signing up for. We volunteer for service, especially the ones uh, after nine eleven. Mm-hmm. You know, we knew we were we were signing up to deploy to go to war. You know that. So coming back, we have that understanding. What we did was for our people. Um, we know that only four percent of America will ever serve in the military, uh, and we know we're we're a prideful group of that four percent. Um, we know America is grateful and thankful, uh, in in the sense that I don't need every every veteran or you know, citizens that tell me that they appreciate my service. Mm. Um, so there, there's a, there's a group of us that, that typically understand America appreciates. Um, for me, my issue was it was a constant reminder who didn't come home. Mm. Um, so that, that's where I started stepping away from that comment and just completely ignoring mm. it. I, I wouldn't wear anything military when I went out anywhere as soon as people saw us come, you know, and especially in the military towns, they're like, hey, did you guys just get back? Like, yeah, man, oh, thank you for your service. <laughs> so, you know, and, and that yeah. that's really what it is. So it's not that you can't do it. it. Not that guys don't appreciate it. Yeah. Most of us know. Most of us know that the average American appreciates what we've done for our nation. I'm going to need y'all to have a card. It says, oh, yeah. I, I, I accept. <laughs> this is the don't. Keep it counter, don't. I love, I love those old, these, those older men at Bojangles that have the hats, mm-hmm. you know, and I just want to like give them a hug. There's and, a whole, there's a whole section of the flea market that sells them. Just letting you know. Oh no. <laughs> I didn't think about that. There is. But I want to like <laughs> pay their meal and just say thank you. Cause you know, they're like, they're just sweet. Yeah. I just love them. <laughs> well, if you bought their meal, it'd be probably like $6 total for a party of eight sure. with a senior discount. Right. So, yeah. 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 I got Flip you. out that eight bucks. Um, one thing that did you said, Donna, is you, you mentioned being a caregiver. Tell us about that process and what that's like, because I think that that gets over, overlooked as well. I think spouses get overlooked. Um, you're going to make me cry. Uh, you always try to make me cry. What I do? I, yeah. I, I was looking down at the <laughs> yeah, pamphlet. <what> <laughs> it's all you, man. <laughs> it's all me, but I'm blaming you for it. Spouses get overlooked. Families get overlooked. Your your five and nine year old get overlooked. Uh, from your perspective, what's that one that what's that like being a spouse of, of of a veteran? And then how does that impact the kids? And then the caregiver aspect, what is that about? Um, spouse of a veteran is a very interesting job, really. Mm. Um, I thought that 
being a marine wife was interesting um, and that it was difficult. Um, but Marines are a breed of their own. It's just ridiculous. And a lot of us Marine wives say that, right? Um, when he left, when he was retired, medically retired from the Marine Corps, um, it was hard on him and it was hard on me to see how hard it was on him because mm -hmm. he had a plan. He was going to be the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps. He was working towards it. He got all these awards and he was this hot Marine. Um, and then they didn't need him anymore. So mm -hmm. it... To, in my eyes, it took him a few years to get over that. Um, the first few weeks, he was still polishing his shoes, um, getting ready for work and making sure everything was clean. But over the over the course of time, it's, I, I know, you know, there are days when he feels like he's a burden because he is not doing what he's supposed to do, what he's meant to do. Mm -hmm. um, or his, you know, his um, purpose in life was just, Marine, and now there's we have to reconfigure and kind of figure it all out. You take again. that part of his identity out, mm -hmm. right? And and that impacts the family um, because at least you know I've learned a lot in the last one to two years of what a caregiver should and should not do. Um, I've learned a lot more, I've matured a lot more in that aspect where um, I was babying him, I was enabling him. You know, I was the one that would um, okay, we're not going to the mall today because it's going to be crowded. As opposed to asking him, hey, do you feel like going to the mall? It's going to be crowded, but do you want to do it? Mm -hmm. So as opposed to encouraging him, I was protecting him from the world outside. Mm -hmm. And that's a big no-no. So it's like, you know, you're, I was catering to that that person of that I should not have done, right? Mm -hmm. So I was enabling that um, that behavior as well. So that's a learning curve. And then the other thing is with the kids. I know all his injuries. I know when he's in pain. So he is fair to me in the sense he will not, you know, he will not fake it with me. But mm -hmm. he and but he will. Everybody else will see a smile, but I won't. And I'll ask him, like, why aren't you smiling? He goes, I'm smiling. Can't you see? But it's a serious face. So with the kids, I, I was the one that would keep them from their daddy. Because, mm -hmm. you know, they're aggressive. They're kids. They don't know. So they'll hurt him. And I see the pain afterward, but I, I was also taking, away, uh, taking them away from being goofy with that or mm -hmm. fighting with him or wrestling with him. So those were things that, you know, we, I, we just constantly are learning, right? Even the kids are constantly learning. I have to remind them, like, yeah, we don't hit daddy on the head or, you know, you don't pull his arm. Um, when we drop things, um, it, it startles him. So even, like, my kid at three, two and three, they used to say, I'm sorry, it was me. It's okay. You know, so mm. that's our lifestyle. And I, you know, when we go to other homes, when we visit other people, um, it's hard. It's hard for him. We know we, we understand that. So it's, it's hard for people to understand our world when they come into our home. Um, it's hard for them to understand why things are the way it is. So it's a very different lifestyle. And each family has, you know, has their own, you know, they've figured it out whatever works for them. So it's very different. Um, but it's, it's not the normal, you know, not yeah. what, at least that's what I would think. It's, well, it's not your, what it's I, your normal. It's our normal. Yeah. Exactly. And other people might think it's weird or that we're strict. It or, is, yeah. but their lifestyle is also weird too. Right. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. So we, you know, we had to, I mean, I've had, I've had, um, moms at my kid used to do, uh, my daughter used to do karate at two or three 
and I used to make her try, tie her shoelaces after after karate. And moms would look at me all weird because I was forcing my child to do something. But our kids, and they're independent, and they're taught to be independent because if I'm not home, you know, daddy might not always be able to help them. They need to find food. They need to take a shower. You know, so it's like at a very young age, we're raising them to be like self-sufficient. So, yeah, they wow. they, they run their own show. <laughs> I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit, though, and because caregivers—that's—that's that's a, a, a but it's also yeah. you, a unique thing that's in your DNA to be. Because if we just take the military community and not take the rest of society, just focus on the military community, how many of those vets returning that that spouse decided not to stay? Just couldn't take it. Not and yeah. that's no that's nothing against that spouse because right. some people it's just hard. do not have it it's in hard. them yeah. to to be that caregiver. And yeah. you know, because like you said, you're constantly learning. He's constantly learning by himself too. So that that's that's gotta be tough. So And you know, and the communication aspect of it too, it's like if there are yeah. days when he doesn't want to talk, um, I can stay offended or I can understand that he's not gonna talk. And yeah. you know, again that's a learning curve and we just figure it out. And, yeah. and a lot of, like you said, a lot of spouses would not be able to handle that. It's well, because different... they, they want healing on their terms right. versus mm-hmm. the individual. I mean, right. you wouldn't, you wouldn't ask a cancer patient to grow hair back just because you want to go get family pictures. I mean, just, it just one of those things. You take a family picture of the guy has no hair. Yeah. I mean, so it, even though you have no hair, that's no fist to you. So. <laughs> but dude, he I, looks like he's gonna kill you. He probably could with that water I'm bottle sure right could. there. I don't want to know where that water bottle could go. <laughs> Bend over and I'll show you. That. That's what she said. But uh, no, um, but I think because I come from a caregiver, uh, you know, or my wife was my caregiver when I was six. So um, it, it's just so unique, and I think you guys get overlooked too. So I get, I give give that um also i think you know for tend to for your healing process i mean to have a great caregiver is huge because support system yeah i mean that's i think and obviously i'm sure you guys are probably engaging in that caregiver community especially online forum scenarios too where um encouraging other people and i think that's you know if we if we had the mentality nationwide as a caregiver system, we wouldn't have oh. half the problems going on. We would be looking out for our next door yeah. neighbor. You know what I'm saying? It, it, just that simple thing of looking out for that next human yeah. being. And I think that's probably you know thinking about it. I'm I'm, I'm fleshing out my own thoughts sure. in the microphone with verbal diarrhea, but I, I think that's probably the golden rule is actually be just being a caregiver. Just, you'll yeah, you'll you know. look out for the folks around you. You stand up for the folks around you. You know, if we had those basic principles. Life would be very different for yeah. a lot of people. I think so. Does do you ever? My wife gets on me for having the man flu. <clears throat> do you know what that is? Like you get, you barely get. <laughs> I sick. had it two weeks ago. Yeah, you barely it's a, get it's sick. It's real. The man flu is real. The man flu is a real thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's documented. Sure. It, it it men it affects men more than women. That's that's science. That's that is science. It's science. Mm. No one appreciates it. Yeah. I want to start an organization. <laughs> <laughs> but the man flu, it's nah, a real thing. Anyway, uh, yeah. So my my wife's caregiving skills are like, stop having the man flu. Suck it like, up, buttercup. Yeah, suck it up, buttercup. She told me uh, this week, by the way, that I have a low pain tolerance. No, right. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Appreciate that. Would she pull the bandaid off or something? Yeah, All I right. cried. Right. <laughs> 
Hook, Line, and Heroes is a 501c3 nonprofit based in Charlotte, North Carolina, founded in 2017 to show God's love and appreciation for our disabled and PTS military veterans. They provide professionally guided fishing trips to nominated veterans at no cost to the veteran. Hook, Line, and Heroes has provided over 30-plus trips around the Carolinas since their founding, from red fishing down in Charleston to striper fishing on Lake Norman, and even offshore fishing down in Florida. Each trip is a one-on-one experience with a member of the organization aiming to provide a day of fun and relaxation on the water and begin a lifelong relationship with them. Each veteran leaves the day with a fully stocked tackle box, rod and reel, apparel, a Bible, and a daily devotion to kick to kickstart their new hobby and build their relationship with God. Please take the time to visit their website at hooklineandheroes.org to hear and learn more about them. You can help in many ways by nominating a veteran you know through their website, join their monthly giving program, Healing Heroes, or send a one-time personal or corporate donation. You'll also be happy to hear that they are completely volunteer-run and nearly 100% of your donations goes directly towards providing trips for the veterans. Be sure to follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn to see their veteran stories and to show your support. So tell us about the organization. If if there's a vet that's listening right now that I just need some help or I just need somebody to talk to, how do they connect with you guys? We um, Our website is www.operationdv.com. Um, there is a contact page on there. They can fill, it, fill out um, a form or there's phone numbers. Um, we are also at Operation DV on all the social media platforms. Um, and at social uh, at Operation DV 2019 on Instagram. So we're available um, through any any form of communication. So and you know I have to tell tell you this. My team takes phone calls at weird times of the day. For we pe- have to. Yeah. yeah, for people that are on the edge, and we you know he's done quite a few of those phone calls where he's talked people off the edge and just mm. get them help awesome. that they need. So um, the example you gave, I mean, I I do need to drop off some business cards with you, but. Um, veterans that come up to you for gas money that's the kind of stuff we get as well yeah so we're we're anywhere and anything we can help with we want to you know get ourselves out there and let them know that people care we're here um it's our our services are free to Mm -hmm. our veterans um and their family members so just a phone call i see you have a uh, amazon smile sticker on your website yes uh, that's a great way to support this organization. Yeah. It's purchases is automatically. Everybody's got to buy toilet paper. From yeah, I mean, that's right. sure. This is if a great. If you're buying toilet paper from the grocery store, that's that's why at 1980. I mean, oh. it's time to get in this new. There's my wife. My, my wife is picking it up from the grocery. I can't do that. Well, she does the online ordering though. She does. But I get I get it dropped dropped off right at my house. <laughs> I feel like that's in the just, case. I feel like that's just bad for the environment. With all the well, the, but no, because I just I just oh. add, I just add it on. I mean, what the toilet paper goes to the grocery store in a box, <laughs> but it's the same all, box. all of the cardboard boxes. Like Amazon will will do a three foot by three foot yes. box for a pack of double A batteries. Yeah, that's yes. true. Yeah. They will. Yeah. They will. That's okay though. <laughs> you, I didn't have to go get it. Sorry. <laughs> Where did the the name Operation Decisive Victory come from? So in in combat. Uh, on the battlefield, a decisive victory is the next level up. Um, 
for us to win a big battle or to win win a war, we have to win battles, and each battle would be classified a decisive victory. That mm-hmm. decisive victory would determine how we progress to the next part of accomplishing this campaign or, mm-hmm. or major war that we're in. Um, and when we kind of fielded all these issues that veterans were going through, we're like, man, this, this we're not talking about the big problem. We're talking about everyday small victories. Just mm-hmm. let's make it to the next day. Let's make it to the next step. Let's take the next breath kind of mentality. And like what 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 a better, you know, terming than than Operation Decisive Victory. It's about giving our vets that decisive that small win each day to get to the next process mm-hmm. of their life. You know, it's that 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 hope, that that glimpse of light that everybody talks about. Um, there's big organizations out there that'll build you a home. You know, you're a veteran, we'll build you a home. What happens when that vet can't pay his bills? Property tax. You know, or property tax <laughs> yeah. or, you know, great, you built him a home and he's doing great, but now, you know, he needs a service dog and he doesn't qualify for one from the VA. You know, we have contractors that we work through where mm-hmm. we can do that for a vet. So it was about those small wins. Um, big movement right now is the 22 a day, the 22 a day movement. Um, I, I have a lot of discussions with a lot of my fellow veterans regarding this and a lot of supporters of those movements. Uh, it's great. Raising awareness is great. You can talk about a problem all day long. It doesn't make the problem go away. Mm. Um, and then the problem we have in America, uh, in our in our social media society, is that we like to follow little clicks or hot pockets of information. 22 a day is no longer the accurate number. Based on national averages right now, it's about 20 a day. Uh, which, again, one is too many. I agree. Right. But what happens is, when you take that 22 or 20 a day and you start breaking those numbers down, all these advocacy groups are out there talking about, oh, combat PTSD, combat trauma. It's the combat stress. No, we have veterans that were on the verge of killing themselves over $43.51 because a guy didn't want to go to jail. We mm-hmm. have veterans that were getting evicted that have never served in combat, that the woman was ready to take her life. You know, there's real world, real life situations as well that we don't account for. How do we resolve that? Combat trauma and, and, and PTSD and traumatic brain injury, those are things that we need professional help for. We have to get the doctors and, and clinicians involved in medications and therapy and treatments. But what about the everyday problems? We had a veteran mom, single mom of, of two, Army veteran, um, out of Greensboro. She was a U.S. postal worker um, during two hurricanes ago, or last year's hurricane, big hurricane we had last year. Um, she couldn't get a babysitter. And I guess their area was hit pretty hard. She couldn't get a babysitter. She was required to work that day. Mm. Um, she chose not to go into work, and she was terminated. Wow. Uh, based on her contract, that was that was what her case manager explained to us, based on her contract. with She was a private postal worker. Um, went three months without electric and hot water in her house with two mm. underage children, under, under 15 years old. There's no reason why that that should have happened. Uh, at least not for three months. I can mm-hmm. understand a couple of weeks until somebody's finding resources. We finally get a call from one of the state agencies and say, hey, you know, we've been trying to get organizations to help out with this. Are you guys able to? We're like, yeah, sure. You know, a phone call and they had hot water and, and power back on. We we're able to pay it. But those are the kind of victories that our veterans needs, the everyday struggles. Well, see, I think, I, I think we focus on the two big things, like the house or mm-hmm. – so-and-so needs a vehicle or mm-hmm. so-and-so 
you know, let's take their family to a vacation. Those are all great. Mm -hmm. Those are great Instagram moments. But the big victory is the power bills paid or making sure that person that that doesn't end in handcuffs. That's the big victory because that's going to last the next day. Versus that, you know, the the big things, you know, the make wishes. Our goal is to maintain that quality of life for our veteran and their families. You know, I mean, that power and water for that that young lady and her young family was a million dollars. That's like, you know, sometimes you know, if a if a price tag for something's ten thousand dollars, if you have nine thousand dollars, that ten thousand is achievable. But if you only have a dollar, that can seem like a million miles away. Yeah, and that's where the small victories you know, come and play. So, and, and when we, you know, when we make those bills, we're not just making that one bill. We're also trying to understand, will they ma- be able to take care of their next month? You know, are they sufficient? Mm. You know, so do they have income coming in? So those are the kind of questions we ask and ensure that they're taken care of down the road. It's not just a quick bandaid we're putting on and solving all their problems. So we're, we're that deeply involved in our clients and we're trying to. Like you had mentioned the, the guys, the vets that came by asking for gas money. You know, I, we, we get a lot of those. One of the things that we were very keen about, you know, very attentive about is asking about their financial background. You know, we want to understand what's going on with your money. You know, where's your sources of income? What are you getting? A lot of times we come to the fact that they don't have VA benefits coming to them. They they never had the time to file for it or, or you know, they just thought they didn't qualify for it. Mm. A lot of people are misinformed. Uh, this generation, like our guys, the post-9-11 guys, are a lot more better informed today, again, because the previous generation, the Vietnam, Korean-era guys that went through this system and, and fought for what we have today, we have it a lot better than, than what the previous generation has. But we come across a lot of veterans, um, the Gulf War, Vietnam-era, the Korean-era veterans, the older veterans that they didn't know they qualified for it. You know, They didn't know they had benefits out there. They, they didn't know that they could get assistance from the VA for food or you know that they could file for a certain benefit that that other organizations the grants that might be out there um so we look at the entire picture and and one of the things we realized was that cookie cutter solutions are just not going to work when it comes to veteran lives i mean it doesn't work for our our normal average everyday lives how Mm -hmm. how do you expect that to work for veterans and we looked at a lot of these organizations that's what they have they have cookie cutter solutions we will pay two hundred dollars of any bill you have and that's it great you pay two hundred dollars of his bill but what caused that problem to come mm-hmm. to surface the first place well the guy lost his job well great we're going to pay 200 dollars. he still doesn't have a job next month mm-hmm. let's try to get him a job so we work with a lot of the department of labor organizations when we come across those vets because that's what the financial situation is for a lot of vets is just that they lost their job now they can't make ends meet great i can pay your bill but next month you're going to be in the same hole yeah it, it doesn't solve the problem get them a job yeah. get them get them the resources they need, you know, get them on WIC or, or government aid until they can go ahead and get that job, you know, have his resume reviewed. Um, North Carolina has been very great to us as far as Department of Labor out here is concerned. We work with NC Works a lot. They have a very strong veterans program. So when we come across those vets that are struggling to get into a job, these guys have quick place positions that are actually hiring. Um, so that looking at the entire veteran, you know, the whole picture, the whole scenario, and what, what the root of their problems are is very, very important. I think also, you know, I think part of the problem, what, what I've seen too, I mean, I haven't reviewed tens of thousands of cases, but I think a lot of times the guys that are financially strapped also, you take a kid fresh out of high school, has a diploma, mm-hmm. next week they're hitting Paris Island. They These 
these kids aren't financially mentally equipped to handle money once they get out. And all of a sudden you add trauma compounds and all that. Mm-hmm. It's just a bad recipe. It really I mean, is. you know, especially some of these kids that will you know, sign up for eight years and then come back out. I mean, you know, I, that's a big transition time from 18 to 26 or, you know, yeah. eight, 19 to 27. And all of a sudden I mean, you have, there's, there's certain life skills that you could have learned, but you didn't, or you may not be, you know, that equipped with just because you're out gaining other skills that yeah. may not translate back to, to quote unquote normal society. I mean, yeah. so I think you, I've, I've seen that a lot as far as that, you know, people that need financial mentoring, mm-hmm. I guess. So I'm sure you guys have to. Have they, have they thought about Dave Ramsey classes <laughs> during during your training? Um, you, you mentioned, you know, the organizations that give the $200. You guys are different because you stick with them and you make sure that they're okay the next month and the me- next month. One, I would say, um, man, that's that's got to be a lot of work for you guys. Right. It is. Our team is amazing. Our 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 client service team, we call them clients because that's the generic term all the organizations are using. Um, our client services team is, is a group of amazing, amazing people. Um, we've set standards that make people think we're crazy. Uh, <laughs> we have a 72-hour workaround. For the wow. first 24 hours, it's time for us to do the initial contact with the veteran once he reaches out for help. Uh, we get to do our screening and, and validation process, make sure that they're actual veterans, validate the DD-214 and all this other stuff. Um, the next 24 hours, we give the veteran to provide us all the documents, anything supporting that that we'll need, you know, if it's a bill or if it's evictions or court papers, whatever it is. And then the following 24 hours is for the director of case management to decide how we're going to resolve this veteran's case. Um, many of our cases are resolved within 72 hours. As wow. long as the vet vet's able to provide us with all the documents in their window, we're able to resolve them. Um, because most times it's, it's a matter of a phone call. It's a matter of a payment. It's a matter of, you know, finding some more information or it's a matter of finding the right resource and connecting the vet to it. Uh, we do work in partnership with a lot of other veteran organizations uh, because, again, it takes a community mm. uh, to solve these problems. And there are things that other organizations are already doing. It's pointless for me to reinvent the wheel. I might as well connect the vet to the right resource. Sure. What happens in a lot of other organizations is you call them, you ask for help. Oh, we don't do this, but we know this organization that does give them a call. Click. Instead, we make that connection between the vet and that other organization we're referring them to, you know, and we stay in touch with that vet to make sure that their their case was resolved. Wow. It's not a validation tool. It's just it's just a partnership. It's it's yeah. letting them know, hey, we're here. Mm. You haven't been forgotten. Well, that's you being a caregiver. Yeah. Ultimately, and, that's what it is. Yeah. In our own lives, we didn't have that luxury. When I call different organizations um, to let them know my husband's struggling, I need I need support. Um, it was all you know, just like he said, a click. Just contact that. We don't deal with that. Mm. Talk to NAMI or talk to these big organizations out there. And it was always a phone call. I mean, it was always a disconnection or a voicemail. So when it came to our own organization, that's what we decided. One of the things we would do is just that. We would That's got to be frustrating. That reminds me when I I have to call the the, 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 uh, basically the Department of Motor Vehicles where I handle business and stuff in Raleigh. Now, there's no direct number. Keep in mind, there's really no direct number published on the website. Mm-hmm. So you kind of got to, like, you got to do the search the dark web, you know, for hackers that may have <laughs> wow. access to the number. And then you call the number and ask said question to the person, but that's not their department. <laughs> so 
they tell you to call another department, which they don't have the number. Right. And they also can't transfer you. So you have to go back out and search. That's what it reminds me of just getting this oh, endless Lord. loop of going. And, and I, I can imagine frustration, frustration with, with vets mm. that, you know, like, you know what, just screw it. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll do it myself. That's, yeah. that's one of the things that, again, you know, the, the lessons learned that we started applying to the organization uh, within the case management team, each vet that calls in gets assigned to the case manager. That is the only vet or case manager or, or individual within our, because most of our case managers are vets, uh, that you will ever have to tell your story to. You will wow. not dial that number and get somebody else and go, well, tell me your problems. Yeah. From open to close, deal with the same case manager. There's only one director that manages all those case managers. That is the only individual you will ever have to tell your story to, tell your problems to, provide your documents to. Things don't get lost. Things don't get shuffled. And again, we are a small organization, so we have a lot more hands-on right now. Uh, as a growing business, naturally, there's going to be the complexities and stuff. But right now is our, our key time to kind of hone in on those skills, making sure that veterans get a response. You know, We can call and leave voicemails and hear back from them a month later. We've had, again, going through our issues, we've had a time where we reached out for some financial assistance because it was either pay the lawyers or pay our mortgage. Like, mm. oh, man, I, I, at where, what I was facing, I needed to pay the lawyers because there wasn't going to be a mortgage payment yeah, anyway. Right. And, <laughs> and, you know, at that wow. time, and we, we requested some help, they're like, okay, we'll, uh, we'll let you guys know in two weeks. Buddy, in oh, two weeks, I, I'm going to be out on the streets, you know. But mm. that was the reality of it. So that's where we came up with that timeline. Like, and in reality, with today's, today's digital technology, it doesn't take me very long to respond to, to a veteran's need or request. Yeah. My case managers respond at 24-hour intervals. You know, they're constantly on their phones uh, because you never know when that vet needs help. And one of the things I tell a lot of my fellow organizations is, you know, when that vet comes asking you for help, trust me, he's hit rock bottom. There's that, that old adage of my emergency is not your emergency, I think should probably be revamped to their emergency is our emergency. If, it, if we're taking on this mantle of actually providing help, then that, that emergency is now ours. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because like you said, it takes a lot for them to call. Yeah. Yeah, for for asking that help, you know. Again, I I, yeah. I know you guys asked her a little while ago about the caregiver part. And I'll tell you, we're we're a prideful prideful group of, of yeah. knuckleheads that I could have my leg torn off, and I'd be like, "No, I'm fine. Get away from me. I don't need your help to stand up. <laughs> it's true. I'm good." She's like, "Dude, you, there's no way you'll you'll be there for days." I'm like, no, watch he me. Just yeah, he just had surgery, shoulder <laughs> surgery in October. And with one arm, he was changing the bandages off by himself. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Monty Python. Do you have one of those, claw, one of those like, reach and grabby claws that you give, like, pick oh, a yeah. draft? You know what? Again, when these guys ask for help, you know, if that help is not there immediately, you fail them. You, we have officially failed those guys. Why would they trust you again? There's, there's been vets that, um, actually, I think his, his testimony was on the website. Um, he actually said that, you know, I've heard this before. We're going to help you. Yeah. I've heard this so many times. Sure you will. But I'll give you a chance anyway. That was, that was his conversation yeah. with me. He's a, you know, unfortunately, a lot of these guys, once they start dialing these numbers, they've gotten the rejection already. They've been mm. listening to the no's and excuses of why they can't be helped rather than saying, hey, you know what? Let's take a look at this. Let's, let's see what we can do. Let's see what's out there. Because there's somebody somewhere in America that will provide the service that you're looking for. You got a veteran that needs underwater basket weaving classes. There's probably an organization in America that already does it. Mm-hmm. Let's get them connected. What's that? The, uh, the TV show first 48 or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Or, 
that's kind of a great thing to place upon some of these organizations because it, it has to be the first 48 hours after or first 72 hours have to it's be critical. critical yeah. It's very critical. Absolutely. And going back to what you were even saying at the very beginning to go full circle on this is when you start out, you've got somebody that's always going to have your back and is always going to be there for you. Um, that, that, you know, somebody's going to be coming to, to, to rescue you if you need it. And, and that's that community Absolutely. and going back to that. And these guys come out and we've talked about this on the show about, you know, you know, even on a spiritual level, guys are taught to be lone wolves and that we can do this on our own, that we don't need anybody else. When in fact, we have to have community. And, and we see that in the military is there is that connection in that community that's already built in. And we don't have that when that's taken away from you and you think you're that lone wolf, just the psych psychology on that part has got to be difficult. But you guys come in and say, no, we're not only a community that's going to be here for you for that $200. We're going to make sure you're, you're good for the rest of your life. And we're also um, working on a program um, that's called PATH, Peer-Assisted peer Training, uh, Transition and Healing, Peer-Assisted mm. Transition and Healing. Um, and that's what we're trying to do is just like you said, we're mimicking, we want to mimic what they had in service. So mm -hmm. in service, they're all this camaraderie, the families are together when the, the men deploy, the women are taken care of and they're, you know, constantly in communication. Mm -hmm. But then we come to the civilian world and the transition is a lot harder because we're doing it by ourselves. So we want to get the, the veterans that are already in the community or even just community members, just average ordinary people. Um, a part of this program where we can just help each other and build that community just like they had in service. We can now build it in each of our little localities, be it churches, be it any kind of clubs, but mm -hmm. just let's all get together and just help person out. You know, mm -hmm. it goes back to the principles we were talking about, right? Just everyone just take care of their neighbor. Yeah, Life will be good again. So that's what we're trying to implement as well. That way our veterans, um, as they transition, it's not just a, okay, here, here's a job, here's this, here's that, you're good to go, but it's a constant connection. The kids are growing up together, the families are growing yeah. old together, and they have that, you know, that love for each other, love for country, and do that spirit of, you know, oneness. Yeah. And that's really lost in today's world, and that's what we're trying to bring back. Wow. Is there any uh, federal or state type of possible policies that you guys would like to see change, or maybe you guys are advocating, you know, uh, I, I can probably think of a handful. I don't want to, you know, give you fuel out there, but is there anything, you know, specifically that you guys would lobby for? You know, there's there's been quite a few that I've I've eyed, um, and I think over the past two three years, some of them have come into fruition. One was the college education portion. You know, wh why are you going to put a time limit on some of these guys need a break uh, before they go and 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 progress and and decide to go to school. You know, sometimes some of these guys have issues where they have to take a break once you start school. A lot of these guys on the GI Bill, you know, that, that clock starts the moment you start going to class. You stop, the clock doesn't stop. The clock keeps running. Mm. Uh, so they've definitely changed that. They've made that much more available. That encourages more guys to attend school. You know, um, one of the beautiful things, I, I come from a third world country, so one of the beautiful things I appreciate about America is you're never too old in America to do anything. You know, you can go to school. You can start a job. You can change a career. You have you seen Bernie Sanders? He's running for president. <laughs> you know, you're you're never too old in America to do anything, and and a lot of those tools that are out there for veterans that have these these limitations um, are slowly starting to change. Um, and one of the things people don't realize is this this generation of veterans coming back. This is the largest population of influx of veterans 
returning from a war zone uh, since World War II. I mean, we're talking the average veteran coming back today has seen nothing but war or has known or prepared for nothing but war for the past 20 years. You join at 18, 20 years in, you come out. That's all you've known. Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Africa, um, you know, the the Golden Coast, the Gulf War areas. um, That's what these guys have known. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we have this large influx that's coming back, especially now that everything is tapering down. You've got guys that are, you know, naturally the military does, they downsize anytime we're done with a conflict. We downsize. And this is the largest our military has ever been, ever. You know, after 9-11, this is the largest our military has ever been. You have this very large influx of, of population of military members that come back and they need to have the care. They need to have, you know, the, the, the abilities, the, the treatments available to them, um, the resources. Society isn't prepared. That's, that's one thing mm-hmm. I realize. We are not prepared to have these veterans come back uh, and just transition out. And, and I know we were talking a little while ago about the transition. That's, that's such a key term, transition, transition. Just to put it into context – I sign up, I sign a contract to join the Marine Corps. Average is about 30 to 60 days I'm in this thing called a delayed entry program. From there, I get shipped off to boot camp. Now I'm in boot camp for 13 weeks before I can even call myself a Marine. So for 13 weeks, I'm being transitioned to become Hmm. America's premier fighter of all things and, you know, <laughs> knower of everything and right. all this great stuff that they, that they feed us at this point, you know, shooting from 500 yards and hand-to-hand combat, you name it. For 13 weeks, I'm going through this transition. Then, depending on my school, if I was an infantry guy, you know, probably another eight or 10 weeks of school. You know, if I was a aviations guy or, you know, door gunner on a helicopter, we're talking another six months, eight months of school. So I'm going through this transition from civilian to military. It takes me less than eight hours to transition back from military to civilian. Wow. I sign a piece of paper in the morning. Wow. At the end of the day, I clock out, hug and kiss everybody and say, goodbye, guys. Never want to see any of you all again. Wow. And I walk out to this world. I'm like, okay. Uh, Good. Nice. What do I do now? Mm. That's that. That's the difference. When we use the word transition, I'm like, there is no concept of transition. There's not when- a, hey, go see these guys and you need help, right? Yeah. The card being passed in your hand, right? Yeah. I get the visual image of, like, you saw these movies where a guy gets out of prison, and he's standing on the side yeah. of the road, just kind of like, that, that what is, do I do now? Which that way, is what left it or right. feels like at that point. Yeah. Well, you go from having somewhere to be every We're moment of the day to, to nowhere yeah. to be. You know, yeah. yeah. It's got to be And that's, gotta be tough. that's, you know, the struggle with a lot of vets that we come across, whether it be financial, whether it be physical, emotional, whatever it is, a lot of it comes down to that loss of purpose. They mm. they they lose reason for existence. Mm. I mean that like Donna mentioned that was my biggest thing. I knew I was a dad. I knew I was a husband. You know I knew I was a brother, a son. Great, those are regular duties. Easy. But I got to prepare for war every day. This is what I do. I I am the tip of the spear for America. You know I will I will prepare and prepare and prepare. And then America doesn't need me anymore. I'm like, mm. okay. Well, you can be a dad now. I was always a dad. Well, you can be mm. a husband. I was always a husband. But this is what I want, and now it's no longer there. And now you got these guys that come out, and they got to self-medicate. They drink, or they end up with drugs. You know, they the, the pain that they've they sucked up for so long, uh, and that's that's one of the cultures. Again, we we're horrible with it in civilian society. It's even worse in the military. You know, as men, you're not allowed to complain about your pain. You can't 
can't complain about your emotional struggles or you can't sure. have feelings. You yeah. better not be Show crying, no boy. Right. Yeah. You know, and they come out and they're like, well, well, why now? You know, why am I feeling all this now? Well, because mm. you were in a culture where it wasn't allowed. You were looked mm. down upon if you felt pain or sorrow or anger or anything other uh, than. Yeah, I'm sure. But also I'm sure you're at constant fight versus flight syndrome too, you know, where I'll just. Like I said, I, I've got a 25-mile hike today. I can't really complain about, you know, I didn't eat enough food today or or my shin hurts. I mean, you've got to complete a mission. And, so. and turning off that mentality is the hard part as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't stop getting agitated yeah. or worked up or, or, you know, hypervigilance is what they call it because we become extra alert. I can't turn it off anymore because that extra alert is what kept me alive. Mm-hmm. Over there. Sure. And everybody is quick to say, well, you're not there anymore. Got it. But that is something you had to program your brain and your nervous system to function in a certain way for. And now it reversed that. It's like, wait, why am I not feeling that way anymore? Yeah, but also you got to look at it too. I mean, you, you so you went in in 18, 18 and got out at 28. So 10 years? Yeah, about 10 years. So 10 basically years. you spent, you know, a good 33% of your life training this one way. Mm-hmm. versus, you know, the rest of your life spent basically crapping in a diaper, going to school. You know, I mean, that's that's a large segment of your life that you're dedicated to just being hypervigilant or ready or you know, whatever. But to be devil's advocate, he has eight hours after he signs that paperwork. So, you know, yeah, you know, you know there's that. And <laughs> just to add to what he was saying, the other burden that they come home with is the family doesn't understand, you know. Mm-hmm. They, they're coming home to, yes, the wife and the kids, they're probably in it with them, but then there's uncles and aunts and cousins and neighbors oh, and, yeah. you know, back in back home that will not understand the day-to-day, how difficult it is. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's one of the things where they stop communicating at that point and they start internalizing mm. or just, you know, hiding away um, because it's easier to do that than to have to explain or to be weird around mm-hmm. people. So mm. that's one of the things that they struggle with as well. I, I read a lot of st- stupid stuff, <laughs> so I apologize. <laughs> What's your? Have you guys heard of any of the more recent studies they've been doing with PTSD and MDMA? EMDR. EMDR. What is that? The eye movement. EMDR. Eye movement. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking about MDMA. MDMA. Yeah. Ecstasy. The, the chemical. Oh. oh. Mm-hmm. Well, how about you? So it, it's it's trial. Well, we can try that next. I can do <laughs> random letters too. You know. Element <laughs> <laughs> OP. What's that? What? So I mean, what what do you what, what's your take on that? It it's again. There's there's many different programs out there that they've trialed. Um, PTSD is is one of those things that it it's it's a complex thing to understand because people call that the actual disease or disorder, you know, that PTSD is what you have. No, I have components of PTSD. Um, I can, I can have no problems walking around in the dark. I I have no fear concept. I could be in a crowd, but as long as it's dark, the number of people don't matter to me. The moment that light come on and there's all these people, now my hypervigilance kicks in. So you got the hypervigilance, you have, you know, the racing heartbeats, you have the racing thoughts, you have flashbacks, you have nightmares. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like a component that's that's combined together, and then they sum it up as, "Hey, you have PTSD." Too broad. It, it's too broad. Yeah. yeah. So there are veterans that have PTSD that only have flashbacks or nightmares, you know, or like myself, I, I sleep two hours a night. That's that's norm and on a good night. It, that's on a good night. <laughs> wow. But doctors are like, "How how do you function?" But 
the fact is that my body's conditioned itself to be that way, that I can sleep two hours and continue to function for 22 hours of the day without feeling tired or exhausted. It functions. But at that two-hour mark, I'm done. It shuts down. Whoa. So there's many components to PTSD, whether it be insomnia, you know, the, the flashbacks, invasive memories, uh, the, the inability to feel emotions, the, the inability to connect. So all these trials and studies that are out there, it's great because, again, that cookie-cutter solution is not going to work with PTSD. There has to be variations of, of treatments that have to go out for different people, uh, whereas I might have seven different symptoms that lead to PTSD. You might only have two of those symptoms. So you might not need to take the same chemicals that I take mm. uh, to, to help you with it. And that's, that's one of the big issues that the VA, it, they're starting to address, but they were facing initially when PTSD was coined. Uh, before this, was, it was known as fog of war. That's what, that's what they used to call it when the Vietnam guys came back and it was fog of war. Uh, it was just confusion. You know, it's just, you're fine. Go, go drink some whiskey and everything's great. <laughs> Now they coined it to be PTSD, and they're like, oh, it's, it's a psychiatric disorder, so let's issue antidepressants out the butt. Let's, let's just keep Medi- issuing antidepressants. Medicate, yeah. yeah, let's medicate them. But the problem was that, yes, I was depressed, but my brother wasn't depressed. He just had mm-hmm. insomnia from the PTSD, you know, or mm-hmm. the next guy over was only having nightmares, so he was afraid to go to sleep. But we were all being treated for depression at this point. And that's, that's one of the big issues the VA is facing right now. And, and again, the opioid issues that, that's happening. You know, a lot of guys come back with chronic pain, which is another symptom of PTSD. And you will actually physically mimic actual debilitating pain. And they give you opioids for it. Hey, that's the best thing we can do because there's no other way to fix it. Nothing is broken. Mm. So let's fix it. With that's the medication. not fixing anything. That's just hiding the symptoms. Exactly. Well, it's just, that's the reason why I'm just curious about this MDA, MDMA yeah, that study. And yep. just because they're, they've actually had studies showing that MDMA actually rewires the neurological synapses in the brain. So, you know, you have some, someone who has PTSD or some issue or some segment of that, that, that trauma caused that, that hopefully this rewiring can can benefit i mean mm. i don't know just an interesting study that yeah. i read yeah um, and also There's, that in psilocybin mushrooms and things like that yep. so i know out, out on the west coast you know thc is one of the big big components we actually work with an organization called battle brothers foundation um out of california out of san diego they are major advocates for for legal marijuana use for veterans um because it has actually been proven to calm the veterans mm. especially the ones with mm. hypervigilance the nervous mm. disorders uh the ones with panic issues and stuff uh, that are symptoms of PTSD, and, and that's what people forget. That, that's you know, I hope you guys understand as well. You know, PTSD is so broad. Yeah. Anybody who says I have PTSD, like, what component of PTSD do you have? You know, it's just easier to say I have PTSD rather yeah. than it's a catch-all. It down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Thing, it's like I, mean, I have cancer. It's yeah, just and I, I use that word to joke about just like my last job or something. You know, it's just being playful, but it's a real thing out there for people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And now it's it's broken down even even more. You know, there's there's complex PTSD now. There's regular PTSD. There's complex PTSD. Um, before you know anybody that experienced um, rape and stuff in the military or sexual trauma in the military, that was also classified PTSD. Now they've broken all that away because these symptoms are starting to differ. Uh, but because those symptoms are so different, the treatments have to be various. So 
you know, MDMA might work for somebody that has complex PTSD, but sure. it might not work for the one that has a sexual trauma PTSD. I guess my question is, things like this, should we give it a go? <laughs> I mean, because, you know, we have so much, for example, the cannabis, you know, we, we biggest components in some states now are, you know, for veterans. Um, you know, I, I can't speak for all veterans. I mean, oh, I can't speak for any veteran at all, but it, I, I'm pretty sure that a lot of veterans probably carry firearms. Well, that's one component of actually getting your medical cannabis card in a lot of these states is that you have to surrender your second amendment right. Yep. Mm. Yep. So mm. I, I, I don't understand that. You know, that, yeah. that that logic doesn't fly with me. But um, I would, I mean, personally, I would like to see some of the stuff actually come to, you know, some of these, some of these studies actually play out in the real world a little bit more because um, what we're doing isn't working <laughs> in right. a lot of ways. Try I mean, something. why not try something yeah. different, you know? So, yeah. I mean, they, they have a lot of interesting new treatments out there, um, water treatment, immersion treatment, you know, there's non-invasive treatments, um, you name it. You know they they they're trialing so many different treatments out there, and it and it's great. Again, like you say, you know if something's not working. Let's let's put that aside and let's figure something else out. Just like issuing pain pills did not help us very well uh, with with the way the nation is facing right now. You know with the opioid issues. Let's put that aside and let's find alternatives at this point. Um, again, different veterans need different treatments, and the more options that are out there. I've always been an advocate for a, if I don't have to swallow it or, or put it into my body, I'm willing to try it. Mm. Uh, and there's a lot of non-invasive, non-medication treatments out there. So if it's, if it's out there, you know, I think, I think it'll, it'll come to surface and some of these treatments have to be there for a while to produce that data that, that they need to get the approval and get it on the mass market. And Which I think is stupid also. <laughs> I mean, it takes what, 10 years for some new drug to come to, yeah. you know, to, no. Come to think, or the, or they can speedball it and have opioids in the street. That's right, basically right. what happened with, with that, that. So, red tape. Yeah, it's that red yeah. tape we talk about. Mm. Well, guys, I, I legitimately could spend more hours talking to you guys because this is fascinating. We do got to wrap it up because producer Brian's got to edit. So there's that. <laughs> um, we do want to highlight an event coming up Friday, January twenty fourth. It's a meet and greet at our friend's Southern Grace Distillery. Do you guys want to talk about that? So our team will be there at the Southern Great Distillery at 4. We're going to do a little a presentation on who we are, what we do, um, and just you know introduce our organization and how the community can help our organization. So when we uh, when we talk about donations, you know we're not we're not always looking for monetary donations. We are always looking for our services. Um, discounted services we're always looking for clothing you know anything and everything that is a need mm-hmm. uh, our, our organization is always looking for that because there are people out there that needs it so um that is just an opportunity for us or the community to just to meet the team mm-hmm. and get to know us and hear from us and then if they have any questions of how they can partner with us um that would be a venue to talk about um and then also the whiskey prison is giving complimentary tours for everyone attending so um, please take, you know, that opportunity and just come visit the whiskey prison as well. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be a double, double whammy. Yeah. Producer Brian has never been out to Southern Grace, so yeah. you have to take this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to talk about the, like you mentioned earlier, um, Amazon Smile. Mm-hmm. Um, we There is an opportunity just to choose Operation Decisive Victory as your charity of choice. 
and we will get 0.5% of all purchases that you make. So I know everyone uses their app um, on their mm -hmm. phone. So I usually just have my Amazon Prime on my app and I make my list, my cart, and then mm -hmm. I go to smile.amazon.com um, and it shows up there and you're making a purchase because so, the app doesn't do it. So oh. you actually have to go to the website. So okay. please yeah, choose but you build, your, you build your cart on yeah. the app. That's yeah. what I do. And then yeah. And then you buy all the toilet paper you can and That's have it right. delivered. Got it. I tell you what, and I've up, I've up my game to wet wipes too. Oh Lord! Yeah, <laughs> anyway, it's a family friendly. So fresh and so clean. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much. We thank will have you. all of your information on our okay. show notes. So anybody that's listening, just scroll down right now. You can click on the link, and it's ready to go. So I appreciate. Thank you guys so much. Oh my gosh! Thank, thank you. you all. Well, we, again, we want to say thank you to Tintu and Donna from Operation Decisive Victory. What a wonderful uh, organization. Um, you can tell it uh, their their hearts love vets, and they love to, to solve those problems and build that community. So we thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for tuning in. Once again, you can go to our Facebook page at Southern Fry Philosophy, our website at southernfryphilosophy.com. Wherever you download your podcast, just go there, hit Southern uh, Fry Philosophy Hit subscribe, get the old uh, review, the rating. We appreciate those as always. Share those episodes. Um, you, don't forget you can follow us on the Twitters and Instagram at SFP Radio. And also, like I've told you every week for the last few <laughs> months, I guess, uh, please, if you're not an organ donor, when you go to register your vehicle or your voter registration, I think you can pretty much sign up to be a donor. And also, producer Brian does remind us that you can do it on the iPhone, correct? Yes, so I've heard. And possibly Android. One, one day I'm going to do it, like, on the show. Like, oh. I've actually, actually, I did it. We should video did you? Yeah, but you should do that. That would be great. Yeah, I don't think way. I can double register. <laughs> Maybe you can register for somebody else. Maybe I can register in <laughs> a foreign country. You can donate someone else's organs when they die. Maybe <laughs> I should nice. go to a pawn shop, buy an iPhone that's already registered. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> 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 Anyway, we appreciate you guys tuning again. Uh, and as always, keep looking up. You're listening to the SFP Radio Network.